This week on Ultra 64, we get ready to kick some asteroids because we are playing Asteroids Hyper 64 and Star Soldier Vanishing Earth. Welcome to Ultra 64. I turned to the movie trailer guy at the end for a second there. I didn't even mean to. Uh, this is the comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game or two, and we are playing it, and we are uh, talking about it, and we're digging through until we're done with the entire damn thing, and my name is Steve Gunley. I am resident of the vanishing Earth, Woody Siskowski. Oh, man. The, the Earth is literally, like, vanishing right now. So Before our eyes. Before our eyes. Get, yeah, to get some of the, the hard stuff out of the way first, this is probably going to be the last podcast that we're doing in the same room for... A, l- a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're still going to be recording just remotely, so you'll have a, a dip in sound quality. But hey, a dip in sound quality could be the name of our podcast, <laughs> so true. I think we're probably fine. And hey, this podcast already has two dips. Yeah, so. it's true. They got, you can handle a few more dips. Yeah, it's not a problem. Uh, and one other important thing I think we need to get out of the way. Happy damn birthday, Wedding. Hey, Happy birthday. You, we yeah. happen to actually be recording this on your actual birthday. And, and, what a better way. Like, last year, we played with giant inflatable rubber balls bounced into each other. We played board games, but we, yeah. you know, we watched a, we watched a Neil Breen movie in the theater. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, we sure did. Yeah, but this, yeah. this puts them all to shame. Man. We played two amazing N64 games. <laughs> and um, before we get you in, here's what I want from you for my birthday, Steve. Okay. I want you to give me a minute here to talk about two things that I thought about today that have absolutely nothing to do with Nintendo 64. Oh, the floor is yours. Okay. The first one is I want to share with you this bow tie that I'm wearing. You know, I wanted to ask, but I, I figured you were going to tell me. a birthday present from my mother who got it at the Palm Springs Film Festival. Um, <laughs> what this is, is this is a bow tie made from film that was like a movie film that was about to be destroyed to prevent pirating. So somebody <laughs> salvaged it and made a bow tie out of it. And so my mom saw these stashes of bow ties one day, was going to buy it, but decided to come back the next day. And there was only one left. And you know what movie this is from? I was going to ask, can you tell? Yes, you can. If you put it up to the light, you can see clips. And it is from B-Movie. B-Movie. Yes, you have a B-Movie bow tie. Oh, my God. That is a legitimately great present it, from it your It is, mom. and my mom did not know that we were all such great fans of B-Movie, <laughs> as, as the world is. Um, so it's very exciting. Oh, nicely clearly, done. I, I'm amazed that it was the last one left. You'd think that they would have all gone so Oh, fast. yeah, yeah, yeah. The B-Heads would have been, like, right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing to segue into... Um, more video game talk. So I was playing the PS4 God of War game today, mm-hmm. yeah. and there was a very weird section where I was. I always get very confused by the puzzles in that game, and I'm trying to get past an area, and Kratos says to his son, I have a plan to mm-hmm. get past the area, but I didn't know what to do. And I was very confused because I'm like, wait, so Kratos, you share that plan with the me, Kratos? I'm playing as <laughs> has a plan, but he's my avatar, so... Shouldn't I have this information somehow? It's meta. And it was a very weird, like, uh, existential moment in, in God of War seclusion. It's like a Kojima thing, except instead of looking at the back of the box, you have to look inside yourself yeah, exactly. to find the answers that you need. Yeah, the plan was there all the time. Yeah. Turns out you had to shoot the guy's beard with an arrow. Oh, well, of course. I mean, why wouldn't you know that? Yep. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, there, those were my two fun segments Um in an effort to pad out the time because the games we played today were very feature light to they say were, the least. They were. They were quite, you know, and uh, no, you're happy to it. I think that counts as your birthday present this year and next oh, year. Oh, goodness. Okay. So uh, I, I so hope it was worth it. it. I hope you all enjoyed it, everybody. This week on the show, we are playing two different space shooters. One of them is called Star Soldier Vanishing Earth and the other is called Asteroids Hyper 64. Uh, you know, so it, there's there's a nice little bit of escapism when, you know, the only thing you really have to worry about is getting hit by a glowing ball of something instead of an invisible disease that's yeah. killing us all. But, you know, uh, this this definitely lets me uh, exercise my fantasy of being in space right now, far away from everything. Um, <laughs> but no, no diseases in space. No diseases in space. Yeah, except for space flu, which is any minute now coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, this gives us a chance to talk about a genre that is uh, basically non-existent on the N64 yes. outside of a couple of games here, and that is the shoot 'em up game. So the shoot 'em up genre, it's often called the shmup, which I hate. Uh, I thought it was shumps. Shumps. Oh no, I thought I was thinking it was shmup, like shoot 'em up. That makes much more sense, but shump is more fun to say. I prefer calling it the STG because that's what they call it in Japan, and it's just short for shooting game. Ah, um, I like that better. Or you can call it a, just a side-scrolling shooter. Uh, uh, it's it's one of the more hardcore niches in video games in but general. It, it didn't start that way. No, That's no, it didn't start that, that way. I think is interesting about it is because like if we trace back to the origins of the, how do you say it again? Uh, the shmup or the shmup. STG. The STG. Um, you get games like 1942. Sure. Um, which is like a, or the Raiden series. Yeah. Devious. Like these games were all pretty successful, like hit games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then as it's gone on, I think what happened is the technology sort of evolved to the point where just having these very simple mechanics of flying your ship and shooting things was no longer enough to carry a game. No way. And so the way that they responded to that was just to sort of lean in more and more to the traits that make the shooters shooters. Mm -hmm. And in, in doing so, they lost like so much of the audience. Yeah, for sure. You don't see a lot of like casual players doing shoot 'em ups anymore. Um, but I mean, really, this genre has its roots like in the first video game. Yeah, you know, that's Space true. War was our first video game technically, and it was later adapted. It was made by MIT scientists so they could play remotely with people at Caltech. And uh, then they made like an arcade two, version eventually. The two fundamentals of video games are uh, <laughs> space combat and tennis. Yes, no, those, yeah. <laughs> those are the roots. Yeah. yeah, space combat and tennis. So I mean, this is definitely an important genre. Um, I mean, you could call Space War the first shoot 'em up, but not really. Really, that would be more Space Invaders. Um, I think that would be the closest thing that we know to it. I don't actually know what like what is Space War's gameplay? Is it like are you in a cockpit like navigating around? Is that the idea? It's kind of. Um, I'm trying to. Th- I might be conflating it with something else. I need to look in that before I give a definitive okay. answer because I think, like, I remember in the early version, it was very tactical and it was kind of more like a missile command kind of thing. But I think by the time it hit arcades, it was more fast paced. Um, but I need to check into that. I'm no space war expert. Right in, folks. We've got nothing but time to yeah, write letters. Looking at right it now. now, in the very brief screenshot, it actually kind of looks a lot like asteroids. Okay. Um, like you, I think it's a combat form of asteroids where like you and another ship are both kind of spinning and navigating around and trying to shoot each other like combat yeah yeah uh, atari yeah so i mean i guess technically we have talked about shmups a little bit uh, since we have talked about space invaders and we have talked about some games on the uh, compilation carts like uh galaga and galaxians those would definitely be uh uh, strong early examples Mm -hmm. um as time went on uh, there were other hits in the 80s like 1942 which is a great series by capcom and that that sort of advanced advanced the technology by having it scroll yeah it scrolls and there's like backgrounds and details and graphics and stuff like that um but the genre was always more popular in arcades than it was on home consoles but there were some games like the uh the panzer dragoon series on saturn i think they found some novel ways to adapt this formula into a 3d model yeah and that's very comparable to like i guess like star fox is on star fox yeah yeah star fox is an awesome game and that's a lot like the panzer dragoon games i guess mostly what we associate with the hard that's kind of thought of as more of like a rail shooter or like space combat sim, whereas like the shoot 'em up, you think of like 2D, either top down or side scrolling. Right. All you're doing is just avoiding a bunch of bullets. Oh yeah, that's that's mostly what you're gonna get. Um, and there are some modern games like I, we've talked uh, a little bit about Near Automata, uh, which is, uh, and I'm still not sure I'm pronouncing that last part right. Not Automata, Automata, I don't know. Automata. But Near, the new Near game. Uh, blends kind of open world action adventure exploring things and then every once in a while it'll just randomly turn into a vertical side-scrolling shooter uh which is awesome and it plays great and it's really fun but uh those are only brief segments though but uh, this subgenre is divided into multiple sub sub genres so you've got like your on-rail shooter that's like your panzer dragoon you've got uh, a tube shooter which is like tempest you know where you're like oh, moving down a that tube is a, that is the smallest of small subgenres that's a very small tempest and gyrus and i think that's it in that subgenre <laughs> um then there's the uh, the vertical shooter like 1942 the horizontal shooter like r type or the diagonal shooter like zaxxon uh mm-hmm. so a couple of different types and then there's the infamous Danmaku or bullet hell subgenre, where the screen is filled with so many virtual bullets that it can be almost impossible to navigate it. 
That encompasses some genre favorites like uh, Ikaruga, Radiant Silver Gun, Gradius. Uh, but again, these this is kind of what the genres become in recent yeah, years. Like so- if you see it at all, it's this really, really intense... Uh, usually an import uh, bullet hell kind of game. And that, that's what I want to talk about a little bit because I do think that there's a weird thing with this genre of game where it's sort of tied to a kind of elitism, which I think is keeping... I mean, it's not a very popular genre, but there's very little effort made to make it popular. Like, people have kind of given up on, like, oh, maybe we can be welcoming to new players in some way. Oh, yeah. Because sort of the biggest company that makes these is um, Cave, mm-hmm. um, the company. And they're... Yeah, they're genre it's always like let's see how many bullets we can cram on the screen at a time this game is going to have some sort of arcane scoring system of like your score increases depending on how far away you are from the enemy when you shoot them and the amount of time you spend and don't use bombs but like since these games are also imports nothing is explained to you well no so basically like if you want to sort of play and get good at these games you're just going to have to like watch YouTube videos of people who are really good at it. Or learn Japanese. Yeah. 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 Well, and most of these games, they don't even have like a training mode or anything like that. And so I just feel like probably, I mean, and we'll, I think Star Soldier is a good example of a game that's right in that midsection of it's got a little more going on than like a 1942 or a um, Gradius. Sure. But it doesn't quite have the same level of craziness that like almost all shoot 'em ups have now. No, no. And y- yeah, you want to hit a sweet spot of like challenging but not insane or impossible. Right. And I mean, speaking a bit of the elitism too, like for collectors, uh, oh, yeah. uh, Shoot 'em up games tend to be the ones that fetch the highest prices on any system. So they like, don't make a ton of copies. They don't make a ton of copies. They're very, very niche. Uh, so like something like KO Flying Squadron on the Sega CD, which we've talked about, that's a two thousand dollar game. Oh. Uh, Arrow Fighters Assault, which or, or just, just Arrow, Arrow Fighters, Fighters, just Arrow Fighters. Nintendo. That's a five six hundred dollar yeah. game. I mean, uh, uh, for Radi- a while, Radiant Silver Gun was the most valuable game I own. I think it still it, is now. It might be. I mean, I think the value has gone down on that one since yeah. it did eventually get an Xbox Live Arcade release. But yeah. for a long time, Radiant Silver Gun was like the uh, import game, like the most coveted import game that never got a release over here. I will say, um, if you are interested in this genre, um, just it's like a very, I would start with some of the early, I, I prefer the earlier shoot 'em ups in general because oh, again, yeah. they're just more friendly. It's more clear what you sort of are doing. Um, yeah, like the Thunder Force games for uh, Genesis are good. Oh, yeah. And, um, Life Force on the NES, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Um, Radiant Silver Gun is like a super good game. Like, I would oh, really yeah. recommend that you play. the tre- You know, Treasure just makes amazing games. And so oh, yeah. play like Radiant Silver Gun and Ikaruga. I think those are sort of the two definitive games of this genre. Yeah, Ikaruga is really challenging. That's where you, uh, you're switching back and forth between light and dark bullets. Yeah. Like you can only hit light things with dark bullets and dark things well, with light can, bullets. Or you, the, you, you, the way absorb, you absorb the other, the color that you are. So oh, right, right. The, and the screen is so filled with bullets, but you're able to sort of switch back and forth quickly to weave through and absorb uh, certain colors. That's that game one is to, really good. It's really good. It's I, I am very, very bad at Whoa, it, so I haven't dug into it much. Hard. It's incredibly it's hard. hard. But uh, a little more of a realistic challenge would be Star Soldier Vanishing Earth. Let's talk about it. This was released December 15th, 1998, developed by Hudson Soft and published by Electro Brain, and it is an N64 exclusive on home consoles, but it was released in arcades in Japan. Uh, so Electro Brain, we have encountered Electro Brain only once before. Do you remember which game? Baseball Simulator 1000. Really close. It was the abominable fighting game Dual Heroes. Oh my god! <laughs> for a brief period, my least, uh, my my bottom game on this uh, entire show was Dual I, Heroes. I for will a say bit. though, like I've already forgotten a lot of the sort of sports and racing games we played. I still have a very clear picture of what Dual Heroes is. There you go. So. There you go. Yeah. Um, so th- this is their only other game on the N64, and this is the second-to-last game they developed ever. Uh, after handling a Game Boy Color port of a Bomberman game in 1998, the company went under, leaving behind a legacy of this game, uh, Dual Heroes, and then just a bunch of Super NES boxing games that no one's played. <laughs> so questionable use of the term <coughs> legacy. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. It's I mean, you know, I guess it's something. So Star Soldier as a series, let's talk a little bit about that, because this is actually a long-running series. I had no idea this was a series. Uh, so Star Soldier is actually part of a series that goes back to 1986. Uh, the first game was released on the NES and in arcades by Hudson Soft as kind of a reboot of an earlier failed series called Star Force from 1984. 
So Star Soldier reworked a lot of the elements from that game, added a rudimentary story about a space cruiser named Caesar and <laughs> its journeys across space. So I think it was piloted by the same monkey from Planet of the Apes. Uh, sure. Pretty sure. Uh, and it was a minor success for the company, uh, which led to a weirdly enduring series that had seven sequels. Uh, the first spinoff was called Starship Hector, which was on the NES. You might vaguely remember that cover. I don't know. Nope. Uh, Superstar Soldier. There's only one cover of a shoot 'em up game that people remember, and that's the cover for Phalanx. Phalanx is amazing. With, yeah, with, with the banjo man the, and the tiniest ship in the background. I I love that thing so much because it's just like you have no idea what the fuck this game is. It's like, oh, good, it's a banjo simulator called <laughs> Phalanx. What? Okay. Um, yeah, so Starship Hector was released on the NES, and then Superstar Soldier made its debut on Hudson's own uh, TurboGrafx-16 console. Ter- terrible name. Just terrible so name. So generic. Oh, oh, poorly spelled, all of it. Uh, this game, uh, the game we played today marks the last time the series got a physical release. Uh, so after a few version, after this, a few versions were released to WiiWare in the mid-2000s, uh, and then the series went dormant uh, with a Japan-exclusive mobile port in 2013. <laughs> Uh, and so the game we're playing today is a direct sequel to 1992's Soldier Blade on the Turbo Graphics, and it Soldier continues Blade, the plot. Soldier Blade, tell them. Soldier Blade, tell them. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Alec 64. This is a weird oh, yeah. one. So the Alec 64. This is this game is one of a handful of games that ran on the Alec 64 right, so you arcade said when system. When this got released to arcades, this is what you're talking. This about. is what I mean. So. This was a special modified N64 arcade board. Like, basically, they took the hardware from an N64, mapped it to an arcade board, so you could have N64 quality graphics on the arcade and vice versa. I mean, the general way that, like, the idea behind an arcade board is most of, a lot of times, it's just one game is programmed to one board, but a lot of the times, like, for the Neo Geo games especially, they'd be like, hey, what if we just design one board that could play a bunch of different games? Yeah. And that's not the case for all arcade games, but it was, for Neo Geo, Sega did a lot of ones that was, like, very closely tied to the Dreamcast, mm-hmm. and then Nintendo with this Alex 64. That's what they were trying to do with this. Um, the idea was that you could eventually get arcade-perfect ports on your N64, because you're using the same engine for both of them so yeah. obviously it's gonna look great um yeah alex 64 was compatible with 12 games only two of which which include this and magical tetris challenge uh were ever released in the u.s uh but the cabinet never really picked up any traction um and it's not even the same magical tetris challenge that we've played on this show because it doesn't have the disney I think branding it's basically the same game just without that without that yeah branding. so it's not exactly I what mean, we got you're here you're not gonna pick up huge traction if those are your only two games it's <coughs> excuse me Oh no! Oh no! Get out of here! Literally choking on beer. Ouch. Um, so the story, it was a little bit hard to find any kind of information on this game. Uh, very little information going on online at the time oh, oh, of release. Let me, let me share some information. Please. About this game. Oh yeah, you've got stories. This well, <laughs> get hyped, everyone. <laughs> this game falls into the very special category of games of. Games that I traded for with whatever was in my hand at the time. Sure. I was over it. It's this and the game Digger T-Rock, Legend of the Lost City, which I believe I traded for a pack of Swedish fish. Or I traded a pack of Swedish fish for that game. I believe that's now on the Rare Replay. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. You can get okay. it. Yeah, um, yeah. But this, so this game, I believe um, I was shuffling through at a friend's house. We were going through our magic cards mm-hmm. and... I saw an N64 game that I had never seen before and was kind of curious about it um, called Star Soldier Vanishing Earth. And I looked at whatever card I was holding, perhaps an Anurid Brush Hopper, and I said, mm. Zach, I'll trade you this uh, Anurid Brush Hopper for uh, your Star Soldier Vanishing Earth. And he says, sure. For context, <laughs> is an Anurid Brush Hopper a good card or valuable card? Uh, it was good and valuable at the time. Okay. Not, not. A bit probably is about the same level as Star Soldier Vanishing Earth. I'm imagining a uh, very hirsute grasshopper with yes. a big mustache, and he's having an aneurysm. Is this Perfect. right? That's okay. exactly right. Powerful yes. attack. Powerful yeah, attack exactly. So that that, and then I had it in my collection. It didn't play it for a long time, and then I sold it to you as one of your few games that you still needed to complete. There so were very few. This yeah. cartridge has lived a rich life. It's it's gotten around, and so this is a game you've played. A, you spent a decent amount of time with. Well, All right, uh, enough in time. In the scope of like, I mean, this in game the sense has that about, anyone has spent much time with yeah, this game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I 
I probably spent two hours with this game, which I would say it makes me an expert. I think I so. I think... know more than 98% of people about this game. That's fair. Which, That's fair. In the sense that I knew that there was a shield button. Yeah, see, right? I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, at the time of the release, uh, this one only sold about 60,000 units. It is one of the lower selling games in the system. It's not that valuable, right? Like, no, game. no. Yeah. It's, it's like a $10, $15 cart now. And reviews at the time were pretty much straight down the middle just like it's fine yeah. uh nobody really was willing to champion it much um i mean it is worth saying that this game is basically the only game on nintendo 64 that is this exact genre of space yeah shooter. oh yeah 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 no this is very distinctive so you have so this that is at a, least. this is a vertical space shooter so mm-hmm. your ship is down at the bottom you're scrolling forward um and I mean, we played some other, yeah, like Space Invaders or some um, asteroids, like we're gonna play. But none of those are just that straight up shooter. And no, this this is like a textbook side scrolling or, or like top down shooter. Yeah, like and if textbook. you had like a Sega Saturn or um, PlayStation at the time, you would have probably. 20 shooters to pick from for either of those systems yeah um and literally this is the only one you get on this is it so it's noteworthy for that if nothing else like this is noteworthy for this um which is great yeah yeah so um a little bit about the story i was able to find a fan wiki where they kind of compiled the story a little bit so uh if this is not the actual story it is now uh, because somebody took the time to write it on the internet they made it canon and therefore it's true yeah people if you want to rewrite a story of a game just find a really obscure game absolutely yeah Somebody just do rewrite it. the story for escape from the planet of the robot monster do it absolutely or uh fuck what's the one i was looking up earlier today i can't even remember the title anymore it's just like some super obscure super nes game pieces write the story for uh, pieces yeah anyway uh so this story is set in 2098 uh the human race is being threatened by a mysterious alien force known as the zeograd <laughs> which has been destroying human colonies uh so to counter the threat Earth forces have dispatched an elite team of pilots, the Special Intervention Air Force, or the SIA, to go hang from the chandeliers, I guess, or uh, (laughs) something like that. Uh, In 2092, uh, which is six years before this game, Sho Kazumori, who was the ace fighter pilot who flew the F-29 Soldier Blade, was able to successfully defeat the Zeograd General. Uh, It looked like kind of peace had been restored, but the ship was almost completely destroyed and was inoperable. It was never going to be able to use again. Uh, but still, his efforts seemed uh, to be successful. Earth was peaceful for a while. Um, however, the human forces soon learned that the Zeograd aren't aliens. They are, in fact, highly sophisticated sentient machines that are capable of healing and rebuilding their fleet. And they're about to launch a secondary attack on Earth. So luckily, the SIA has used components from the Soldier Blade to build three new ships, which are called the F-98 Vanidium, Wisteria, and Letherius, to help Earth stop the Zeograd. So, when you're playing this game, you're choosing one of these three ships, uh, Z- Vanidium, Wisteria, or Latheris. I know Wisteria is a flower, so yes. I'm going to assume they're all flowers. Sure. Why not? Um, and they, So, as a common trope in these kind of games, um, you're fat. You have all the ships differ in terms of I thought you were saying you're fat. It's like, as yeah. a common trope in this game, you're fat. <laughs> yes. There was a point in this game where I, or I guess we'll get to that in Astros, where I was very mean to Steve unintentionally. No, no. Um, totally fine. But um, this one, you get to pick between three ships, and as they differ, like, the fastest ship also has sort of the least wide beam, and the slowest ship sort of has a beam that takes up most of your sort of forward triangular angle. Um, and I would say, like, having a lot of forward momentum and a lot of speed isn't necessarily uh, the uh, no. strategy you need Be- here. Because the other thing about this game, I mean, all game, all these shoot 'em ups basically have those same fundamentals Ooh. of, like, you're scrolling forward, enemies are shooting at you, and they usually have, like, one or two gimmicks to try and set them apart. Um, this game, I think, only has one. So your A button is your regular shot. You just hold it down. You don't have to hammer it repeatedly, which is nice. Yeah. Um, your B and Z buttons drop different kinds of bombs. Like, your B button drops this wide bomb that destroys everything on the screen, mm-hmm. and the Z button shoots this powerful laser that deals a bunch of damage. Yeah. Um, the down C, you can change your ship speed. And then the only thing that makes this game unique is the R button lets you, like, sort of, you form a little crystal around your ship and do a spin. Yeah. And then you reflect bullets back. Um, and, and you're invincible for a little bit. Yeah, that's a really nice little feature. And it is unlimited, but it does have a cooldown of a couple of seconds. So you can't just keep spamming it the entire time. Right. Because you're basically totally invincible when you're using it. So yeah. And you can actually very... kill other people with your bullets that you're can bouncing you, back Can you actually on. reflect back into the enemies? Can't they? I thought it was blowing some people up. Okay. It could you, be. I can't I, really, tra- I, I I can't really track all the chaos yeah. in this. So, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so the, like I said, this is a vertical shooter, uh, top to bottom. There are 35 distinct enemies to fight in this, all of which have been named after a different bladed weapon from around the world. Well, the thing so, about it, though, is like, it who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. Just, like, that's the other thing about these kind of games is you're only looking at your ship and being like, okay, are there bullets about to hit my ship? Yeah. Move. That's the extent of your field of vision. And so, like, you're what, not what, counting how many enemy designs there are. Yeah, what severity of trapezoid is attacking me yeah. right now? Yeah. But, I mean, I still appreciate that they did that, and they looked at, I mean, these have names from everything from, like, Hatchet to a Kukri, which is a uh, curved Nepalese hunting blade. Hmm. So, like, they went to the trouble to look up a bunch of knives from around the world, I guess. Although, if my vision of who these guys who made this game are, they were already looking that up. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> no. they just knew. They just knew. They knew a lot about knives. Uh, graphically, <laughs> this game offer it doesn't look bad doesn't slow down i think that's the important thing you want in a game like this is you just because if it starts to chug or if the screen starts to chop it takes you right out of it and this one uh, we didn't have any issues with that and it's also very easy to tell um where the enemy bullets are like things differentiate pretty easy like most of your shots don't take up too much of the screen Mm -hmm. um and the enemy bullets are like a fairly bright orange which which is nice that's another important thing for this game i didn't get a very uh spacey feel off of this more of a cyberspacey feel like sure. it feels like you're trapped in the internet rather than trapped yeah. in space um because there's just lots of like glowing doodads going on it looks like you're kind of flying over a bunch of different changing screensavers like it's yes. all just kind of conceptual patterns and things like that more than structures or stars or things like that yeah and i guess the result of that is none of the environments are very interesting not like, terribly. You're, you're not going to notice that very much. Um, one thing you might notice, because, you know, you can see with your eyes, hear with your ears, as most humans do. Sure. Um, is the music is super uninteresting. Like, these, See, I, I looked with my eyes. I listened with my ears. I didn't even notice it. Right. So, yeah. Um, this, this kind of genre can really benefit from having, like, really exciting, you know, sort of pumping music that keeps you going and yeah. this game does not deliver on that front no no and i mean that's fine really whatever uh it's it is a good kind of zone out game like i think a good shoot 'em up will let you zone out a bit and kind of just like focus on dodging those little bullets and there is something very very satisfying when like there's just a bunch of bullets coming at you and you're just nimbly driving in between them and just like you feel pretty super powered so like i get the appeal of of games like this and i think this one's like I think on any other system, you wouldn't even look at this twice. No. Um, but I think on the N64, this is kind of a good little title. Yeah, um, I this agree is a pretty that. good little game. Um, I think that it stands out in the sense that, like, it is the only one. Um, it doesn't, some of the newer shoot 'em ups usually, like, the deal is your hitbox on your ship is super tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, this game doesn't have that. Like, if something hits any part of your ship, you will explode. Oh, yeah. Um, so it really makes you use your shield roll ability a lot, which is fine. It's good one, that they're generous with it and that they made that part of the gameplay. And one not just thing I really would have liked is if they're like your ship like had a little flash or glimmer. Oh, when your shield was ready to be used again because there were so many times where I would roll out of the way and then like another new bullets would come at me and I would try to press R again and it just would not spin yet. That would be nice. Yeah, some some little effect to indicate that. Yeah, and th- it's not a very long game. It's ten uh, ten levels total. No, Three of those six, are right. Well, it's 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 oh. seven total levels and then three kind of bonus hidden stages. Which all right, so they give us a hint for finding these bo- hidden stages, and it's like, what? How do you describe they this? They take a, there's three tiny screenshots of different levels, and they'll say like stage two, stage three, stage four, and then arrows that point down from those screenshots yeah. to like a square that says secret stage. And it, you're like, what am I supposed to do with these screenshots that are a already don't look like anything right and be way too small way too see the only information on the page you're giving me is that it says hint yeah like hint, I, hint, what does hint do yeah do, do i not destroy the enemies there do i destroy the enemies there do i move to a specific part of the screen like they're, they're actually making it harder for us to find hidden things i think i think it would be easier for us to stumble on these <laughs> on our own than to follow these like arcane instructions and kind of piece it together that being said, uh, I do like this game. I do. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and like really uh, dig into it, but um, this the mechanics here are solid. It plays well. Uh, it moves quickly. It doesn't look terribly interesting, but it, it moves well. It does everything it says on the tin. Um, it's hard enough to it's it's hard enough to be exciting and be a challenge. Like right from the first level, we were dying. Um, yeah. But I do feel like it does seem pretty achievable like it's not outrageous no no no. um 
And there's there's not a lot of modes here, though. I feel like that's a real weakness. In oh, the game. yeah. Um, this genre is one that I really like having two-player modes for. Um, I think that goes a long way, similar to, like, the beat-em-up genre. Sure. Because even if, like, your gameplay is shallow, a second person can carry that along. This game is only one player. Yeah. Um, which is a real bummer. There's a... There's two modes where there's a two-minute mode and a five-minute mode, mm-hmm. which I guess are just a score attack where, like, Kinda. it ends when your time is up, which I don't really understand conceptually because the game always scrolls at the same speed. So you're just going to be playing the same section over and over. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, that was a little weird. And then there's a mission select mode as well, which I like. You just choose the level you want to play. Yeah. And it starts from there. So you could, you know, just play the last level. Yeah. Which I think, I think that's essential in these kind of games because it really helps you practice if you like okay i want to play through the whole game but i don't want to have to get to level three every time yeah so start there yeah no this this is a solid uh fun little arcade game i i would say you know check it out if you see it on your shelf and it's nice and cheap pick it up because yeah. uh it's it's worth playing through and it's not uh yeah it's not one of these super valuable expensive ones i mean there no if you i mean get, it might be we might be creating a market now but i don't know if you want to get into this genre i don't think this is the one to start at no um, but if you have an n64 and are curious about it it's cool well, let's move on to our next game. Uh, our next game is Asteroids Hyper 64, released December 14th, 1999. So that's one day and one year, one day before and one year after the other game, weirdly. Okay. December 14th, 1999, published by Cyrox and, uh, I'm sorry, developed by Cyrox and published by Crave Entertainment. And this is an N64 exclusive Lucky Us. <laughs> so let's talk about Asteroids. Asteroids is one of the OG arcade hits like it's one of the bigger most important early games in uh uh, arcade history and i don't think it's had the longest afterlife of something or like of something like pac-man or something like that you don't really go back to it you see an arcade like you'll always see a pac-man and a galaga yeah you won't always see an asteroid it's true but i mean it's still a very important game so asteroids was created by three developers at atari uh ed log lyle rains and dominic walsh that team used leftover resources from an abandoned game called Cosmos, and then they combined it with the uh, vector graphics from an earlier Atari hit called Lunar Lander. Oh, and that's uh, a cool game. yeah, that's a fun one. And they just called their space shooter Asteroids. And in the game, you control a triangle uh, rep- <laughs> representing <laughs> a spaceship. Literally a triangle. It's literally yeah. a triangle. Um, and you shoot in a 360 degree plane. You destroy encroaching asteroids. If you hit a big asteroid, they break up into a smaller one, and then you have to into keep shooting them. Multiple smaller ones. Multiple smaller ones. You have to keep shooting the smaller ones until they disappear. Um, you have a little basic thruster and then a gun, and that's about it. It's also got this wraparound thing, right? Where you go up the top of the screen and then you'll come out. You're imme- yeah, no lag. Like in Pac-Man, you go off the screen. There's a lag mm-hmm. here. There's no lag. It's just immediate. I believe um, maybe get, I'm getting confused with Defender, but I think that Asteroids also has a teleport button where um, you can just press the button and your ship will appear somewhere else randomly on the screen. Like if you're desperately about to get crushed by asteroids. The thing that's weird about it, though, is your ship will just kind of flash over there. So oh, yeah. It usually results in you just dying anyway. Yeah, because it, it's happened so fast, and you don't like, really where, know where what happened. Yeah. So uh, the game came out in arcades in November of 1979, and it was an instant smash hit. It, it uh, soon outsold Space Invaders in the United wow. States. And uh, for a while, it was Atari's best-selling game ever. Um, it has since been topped by Pac-Man and Pitfall, but still third. Still third best-selling game yeah. for Atari. Uh, the home port of Asteroids on the Atari 2600 was also incredibly successful. That sold more than 4 million units on that system. Uh, but despite it being one of the biggest and most recognizable classic arcade games of all time, there have been relatively few sequels or follow-ups or really anything else done with it. So the game was followed by Asteroids Deluxe in 1981, which added life bars and color graphics. Okay. Um, the next sequel was called Space Duel. It hit arcades in 1982. And that is actually uh, Atari's one and only multiplayer vector arcade game. Okay. So um, for what that's worth for you. <laughs> In 1987, we saw the release of Blasteroids, which added boss battles and goofy power-ups to the equation, uh, and also started using raster graphics instead of vector graphics, so like more traditional video game graphics than you would expect. And I think that part of the charm of the original Asteroids is I think those vector graphics have held up really well because they they just feel so of their time. Yeah. So, but they're so distinct. Like that's one of the great things about Asteroids is it's just a solid black background, but all the ships and Asteroids are just sort of white and they kind it, I mean the vector almost gives it like a three-dimensional effect of yeah like they're a little closer to you than the background is totally it makes it really easy to differentiate 
um, to, to see what you need to avoid. Oh, yeah. Just see the original Star Wars arcade cabinet for like a good example of like 3D, like the, the impression of a 3D graphics being used with just lines. You yeah. Know? Pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So this came this game came out at the height of the arcade reboot craze. So kind of around this time, there were reboots of everything from so Pong now we're talking to about Frogger. The 64, one. The 64 yeah. one. Yeah, sorry. The the you know if you remember, there was a uh, Pong game that tried to turn it into 3D, where you're controlling like a chunky line segment. I've played that game. That game's actually kind of awesome. Is it? It's called like Pong: The Next Level. I yeah, think, something for like PlayStation, that. PlayStation because it has a bunch of like weird, crazy modes. But there's you're like, just like a stick, right? Yeah, but yeah. there's like modes where you like there's penguins going through the middle or like the level is shifting up and down. And I feel like that's what you want to do with your arcade. Really, yeah. Is you're like, OK, we're going to take the fundamental gameplay and we're just going to how many ways can we sort of stretch it and change it around? Yeah. And I'm not sure what exactly sparked this kind of uh, reboot arcade. Chris, I think it was Frogger because there was a fairly successful Frogger well, platformer released around this time. The way it works, Steve, is nostalgia goes in 20 year ways. Oh, sure. OK. Um, and so if these came out in sort of the late 70s. Then twenty, the late nineties is going to be that nostalgia wave. Man, you so. know what I miss? Gladiator. Yep. There. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> it's amazing worked. how that works. Hey, look at that. Just right on time. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, uh, so in 1998, Activision released the Asteroids reboot on PlayStation, Windows, and Game Boy Color, and that's basically what we got with this game. I couldn't find why Activision didn't want anything to do with this port. Uh, but they pass responsibilities of that off to the low-rent publisher Crave, purveyors of classic titles that we play on this show, like Milo's Astro Lanes Ooh, and Robotron 64, which we kind of liked. Yeah. Um, Cyrox was a British company. Uh, they were founded in the mid-1980s. They were best known for doing adaptations of uh, Sega Genesis ports of The Jungle Book and, um, uh, what else, Lion King. So okay. that was, those were their big claims to fame. Sure. Um, they also had a notable title. Do you know the game Scud Disposable Assassin? Of course I do. Yeah, that's great. I was playing great. it about a month ago. Were you? That game awesome. has a really weird thing because I was going through light gun games on the Saturn where I believe you can play a two-player mode where one player is basically playing a platform game and yeah. the other person is able to shoot at the screen while mm. they're playing to sort of defend them. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is kind of cool. I don't know much about that game, but I just know that character was like a, a cult 90s um, arcade or a comic book, book character yeah. created by Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub who oh, went on to create that. Community. It looks very much like a De Doug Tendapel thing. Kind of, yeah. It's got that kind of vibe to it. And I think he, these guys are kind of all of the same era. Um so Cyrox also did, uh, speaking of Power Rangers like we did last week, they did the Game Gear version of VR Troopers. Man, I bet that game's great. <laughs> I'm sure it's great. It's a, a knockoff of a knockoff of a knockoff. So, uh, On yeah. the Game Gear. VR Troopers was the uh, Power Rangers knockoff that lasted one season, I think. Imagine like if our next podcast was game like all the Game Gear games. Oh, Jesus. Well, you have to play them on an actual game here. God, oh, that makes me sick thinking about it. Um, so Cyrox is actually still around, uh, but they've pivoted. They're no longer doing game development. Now they are primarily doing sports photography, and they cool. pro they provide uh, photos for wire services around the world, like some really prestigious, like uh, mostly soccer uh, photography. So they're doing well. So as a quick note for this game, I was having a really tough time finding an image of the box art of this game that didn't look sun damaged. And I was, oh. I was looking at it like, what the fuck is going on? Why does every copy of this look like it's been left in the window at Blockbuster? And I thought it was like an error or just something like, no, it's just the way the box looks. It's just so muted. The colors are very muted and kind of gray. And like, you can't really tell what's going on. So everything just looks like dimmed 20%. Like they couldn't afford to pay for full color or something. Boy, this, I mean, this might be the laziest game we've played this for the podcast. This might be. I'm like, trying to think, I mean... Even Robotron had, like, some, some funky techno music that they yeah, added, too. Yeah, and there was an attempt, like, it had a graphical style. It certainly it, didn't look great. It didn't look great. It was to, like, reboot that style. And it, it lets like you play cool, with two controllers. Yeah, yeah, that was, like, a cool thing. Totally weird. Yeah. Um, this game, there is just so little to this game. And so it is it is literally Asteroids and sure. nothing else. It is, it is the Asteroids. But it's a worse version of Asteroids. Kind of, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, well, it's not fair to say they added nothing else. They did add other things, but it is just kind of like a poor quality. Gameplay-wise, it's just Asteroids. You know, you're going to get really bored of pressing that button over and over again. It, um, so you have a, yeah, so you're basically, you know, you're this tiny ship, um... 
flying around in space. The controls are the same. You have a thrust button and you can rotate. Um, and then there's a, you can teleport. Again, mm-hmm. you just kind of randomly appear somewhere else. How did you do the teleport in this uh, game? R. R. R was different. Um, okay. Down C will sort of flip your ship around 360 degrees instantly. So that will help you in terms of navigation. Um, but I don't feel like that's necessarily a positive thing. No. Because if they, the goal is to make the game really easy to control, you're kind of losing what makes asteroids asteroids. Yeah. Which is kind of the sort of floaty awkwardness of trying to pilot this ship. Um, the other thing is there are pickups in yeah. this game. Like there's just a bunch of colored capsules that have um, that usually give you secondary weapons. One of them will drop a drone that sort of shoots around you. I like that guy. Yeah. yeah. One of them will give you what's called Armageddon, which sounds very exciting, but all it does is your ship will rotate 360 degrees and shoot like 10 bullets. Yeah. It's yeah. very anticlimactic. Like the real Armageddon. Yeah. 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 Um, one of them um, gives you mines that you drop behind you that will destroy asteroids. And it's very awkward because you have to press left C to use these things. And so you're trying to boost by pressing the A button. But then you have to take your hand off the boost to press left C. Yeah. It's it's just, it's not well designed for the controller. And I think the biggest issue with this game and the thing, I mean, the biggest issue with this game is it's just devoid of effort and content. Yeah. But the graphics, A, look terrible. They look bad. They, they look, look really bad. They look bad, but they look bad in a way that gets in the way of the gameplay because your first level is kind of not solid black. It's kind of a brownish black mm-hmm. with a brown planet in the background and then you're shooting off brown asteroids yeah that as they get smaller they really blend into the background they start going faster and become darker so i got taken out by so many of those little chunks because i just couldn't see them i couldn't see the not a satisfying reason to die no not that there's ever any satisfying reason to die the whole 64 maybe maybe nathan hale well yes satisfying reason to die sure for his country yeah why not why not um, but like they, the 64 element of it is a ugly spinning planet in the background that you can't interact with or do anything with. It's just kind of there distracting you while everything else holds still. Yeah. And, uh, then you get a couple of different types of asteroids and I guess that's kind of the big hook here. So we got, we get, uh, four new varieties. We have uh, radioactive asteroids that'll disable functions of your ship, depending on what color hits you. So you uh-huh. can like lose your shields or something like that but uh, i okay sorry yeah there are unstable asteroids which will just randomly explode uh there are asteroids that will go invisible from time to time so which that's, just that's stupid that's, that's a terrible very one stupid. and then there are some that uh zero in on your heat signature and chase you around a little bit which could be fun sure um you're in power-ups you shields more powerful weapons there are 50 missions in total all of which uh yeah are this is about the same about the same thing shooting things over and over yeah and uh, I got to, let's say, I think I got to level 12, mm-hmm. and I, w- I I still had lives, yeah. but I'm like, you know what? I just don't want to play this anymore, so I'm just going to drive into these asteroids. Yeah, yeah. Um, you really, really lose interest fast, and, you know, like, the original Asteroids is sort of a challenge. You, you're probably not going to get too lo- too far on your one quarter, and so you're put in a quarter, and sort of the more you can keep playing, you, the more satisfying it is. In this, you're like, I'm just ready to be done. Yeah, very much so. And um, your ship, your ship is tiny. So That's, tiny, so tiny. I feel like it, I don't know, I need to see a side-to-side compare with some of the original Asteroids, but I feel like your original ship was not this small no, in comparison defi- to everything else going on. Definitely not. It's so tiny, and you do get a polygonal model with it. But it's it's uh, they're pretty devoid of personality. So let's talk about the multiplayer a little bit. Okay, there's a there's a four player multiplayer on this. Two, three, or four. Yep. Two, three, or four. Uh, we drag poor Nicole. Uh, she's in the house, so she gets to play crappy arcade games. Although she did really well at this she one did. by mistake. Yep. But I don't mean to denigrate her skills. She was literally by her own admission, she did not know what she was doing, but well, she won. Well, admittedly, I don't think any of us knew what we were doing. No, no, not at all. Um, so this offers uh, up to four-player multiplayer. Uh, multiplayer Asteroids works okay. I mean, well, I mean it's all pretty low Take impact. the criticism that we just gave of the game, which yeah. is that it's very hard to see your own ship. It's very hard to see what the Asteroids are. And then add two or three more ships in the game, and you're so it's so confusing. Yeah. And it's so hard to tell. Because all the ships, there's about five different ships that you can be. But yeah. because they're so small and all basically have the same design... It's just so hard to tell who you are. For sure. And yeah. oh, the other criticism of, of many, so, another so many. criticism I can think of is that you take so long to respawn. If you it's like a good by, five seconds. You get hit by an asteroid and then you wait and you're like, where's my ship? 
wait, like, where am I? And then it's like respawning ship. You wait long enough that it feels like something went wrong. Yes. Yeah. That's a good phrase. That's, yeah, that was unfortunate. So we're playing just kind of uh, three-player asteroids, and we're it, it's just who can live the longest. Yep. It's who can shoot the most asteroids and live the longest. Um, I kept losing sight of which ship was mine. Of course. Um, which, like, that was a problem we were all having. We're all zipping around. It's like there's no way to tell which ship is yours unless you just start moving which sometimes leads you to just crash into an asteroid yeah. because you don't know where you're starting from. And then your ship will be gone off the screen for a few seconds, and you're like, where am I now? And then it'll restart some random other place. Yeah. And I mean, so for the next round we played, we all made points to choose distinctive-looking ships, at least distinctive-looking model ships in the selection screen. You have some 3D models. You get to pick a ship. Uh, they did not look anything like that when you got to the game itself. They all still just kind of looked the same. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, what the fuck? What? <laughs> we still had the same problem of trying to tell we apart. we were playing as was probably supposed to be like a, a nebula. Yeah. But um, you describe, it basically looks like the beginning of Uncut Gems when you're zooming into Adam Sandler's sphincter. Sure. Um, <laughs> Which and, you just know in the 90s, him would make up a song about that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, you go to my sphincter. <laughs> and yeah. it just, it looks, it looks super bad. I don't, I don't know. It just looks terrible. I mean, there's like this little warp effect every time you clear a level where you get sucked into this like brown, vomitous looking spiral. And it's just like brown on brown on brown on brown on brown. And and no music. That's another no thing. No music at all. Yeah. Like It's just such a weird sort of isolating effect in a game. You just and again, it's it, weird how sad it makes you to play a video game with no music. You're just like, yeah. what is happening? Why am I waiting? Why am I playing this? It just feels so lifeless. The the original asteroids did not have music because it was 1979 and they couldn't do it. It was very hard to replicate sound. But also like if you were playing it, you were in an arcade. You were surrounded by noise and bleeps and bloops and bings and bongs and like you didn't need it. But here on a home system, like, yeah, I want some kind of, like, lo-fi, like, techno-thumping soundtrack. I want something, you yeah. know? I want Banjo Boogie, you know? I don't know. We'll I, take it. Anything. Anything. Um, yeah, this game sucks. This game really sucks. It's really uh, it's really lazy, and it kind of makes you dislike Asteroids. It kind of makes you dislike a, yeah. a still... Like, the gameplay is still the solid Asteroids gameplay you remember. It's just not as fun. Yep. And it just kind of makes you resent it. And it's like, no, okay, now I kind of get why this series hasn't really endured. And, yeah, and I think that the thing, I think the big thing is it's just very hard to see. And to play a game like this where half the time you're getting killed by things you didn't see yeah. is not satisfying. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the multiplayer, you know, multiplayer asteroids seem like it could be a cool thing, but it suffers from that same problem. Same thing. And it's just, it's it's not fun. No, no. no aspect of this game was fun. No, no, not enjoyable. Um, are you ready to move on to rankings? Yeah, let's, yeah let's move on. Okay, each week we are ranking the games that we have just played. Um, I'll start us off this time. We're up to 217, so this will make it to 218 and 19. Um, so Star Soldier, pretty good. Uh, not a bad little game at all. I would I would recommend playing that one. Um, maybe not run out and get it right now, but I am putting that at number 66. That's underneath Robotron 64 and right above Mortal Kombat 4. Um, and for Asteroids Hyper 64, that's going pretty low for me. That's going to be my new number 202. That's right underneath Batman Beyond and right above NBA Jam 2000. Um, yeah, not good. I think it's just the sheer laziness of it really knocks it down. Like even below Paperboy, which Paperboy is ugly as shit, but it tried to do something a little different with the formula and this one didn't at all. Yeah, I agreed 100%. Um, my, my review of Asteroids is basically identical. Um, it's going at number 105, or 205. Oh, 205, nice. 205. Which is right above the Elmo games uh, <laughs> because it was just super duper boring. Um, I originally had Star Soldier, I think, way too low here So because you, you've convinced me that that game is probably better than I'm giving it credit for. Right. Um, so I'm going to put it at number... Let's say 90. 90. Which 90 is solid. right up below Mario Party and above the Duck Dodgers game. Perfect. I think that's a good spot for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you probably would still reach for Mario Party before you reach for this, but it's solid. It's a solid little game. It, yeah, there's just there's just not much to it. No, no. If that's what you're in the market for. It yeah. Well, we have three uh, very brief little letters this week. Um this first one, uh, not signed at all. Uh, I love the podcast. I've been binge listening, and I'm currently on the snowboarding episode. I was going to send you a snowboarding ma- episode. Ooh, isn't there only one? No, because we did snowboard kids. Oh, we did snowboard and kids, and, and yeah, that's true. 
I was going to send you a message when I got caught up, but couldn't wait any longer to express my thanks for sharing your passions and to let you know I enjoy listening to the encyclopedia of N64. And thank you very much. This was not signed, but uh, I appreciate it, and that's really kind of you to say. And, I wrote uh, that one, Steve. Oh, well, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, next one. Hey, Steve, Woody, and guests. Oh, strike. Uh, literally five seconds after you guys talked about the lackluster name P.T. Flea from A Bug's Life, I said out loud in my kitchen, P. Flea Barnum. Pixar couldn't have connected those dots? And that's, oh. from, that's from Elliot. Well, yeah, yeah P. Flea Barnum. Or well, Flea T. Barnum. Yeah, Flea yeah. 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 Well, Flea T. Barnum. Thank Either you way. for answering that question. Thank you, Elliot, who you can hear on our Power Rangers episode from last Different week. Elliot. Different, Different Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, different Elliot. How we many know, Elliot fans do we have? We know so many Elliots now. That's okay. great. I love it. That's from Elliot K. Thank you, Elliot. And oh, finally, uh, hey, okay. Steve. Howdy, Woody. Uh, I never saw A Bug's Life. I have Disney Plus, so I guess I should check it out sometime. I, mean, I do remember if you want. If you want. Right. I do remember renting ants and not it's really like, liking it. It's like the Star Soldier Vanishing Earth of Pixar movies. <laughs> you can watch <laughs> you it. Can you can watch it. Yeah, you're yeah. fine. You're fine. Uh, I guess you missed the chance to watch the Doom movie when you guys did Doom 64. I know that was more based off Doom 3, but it could have taken the worst movie spot from The Phantom Menace. Keep up the good work, and that's from Adam. Um, yeah, a lot of people are really pushing for us to watch yeah, the Doom the, movie. this is the second time that uh, Doom has come up. It's just come up organically from different people. They really want you to see the it, Doom movie. It's, it's destined to be. Maybe, maybe depending on how long this quarantine goes on, you maybe might, that's all that I'll have left. When you exhaust all other motion pictures, yeah. then you might have time for Doom. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for writing in. You can find us at ultra64podcast at gmail.com. Look, y'all have got nothing but time to write letters to podcasts right now, and we've got nothing but time to read them. So uh, send them along. We're happy to do it. Yeah, write, write us your novel, like your N64 fanfic. Yeah, right. do it. Do it. Um, all right. So, yeah, after this week, we are going to be going into our own separate quarantines for a little bit. Um, the, the order officially came down a little bit ago that we have to... Uh, do stay-at-home yeah. measures in our state. We are um, putting our bodies at risk to record Star Soldier for you guys. Yep, yep. And our, we, the police are knocking on the door right <laughs> They're going to murder us You guys recording both. a podcast in there together? <laughs> Gal, darn it. Um, we're being very safe, I think. We're a good six feet apart. We have, uh, we've been using separate controllers, and yeah, yeah, very clean. I didn't kiss you in the mouth like I normally yeah, do exactly. when you walk our, in the door. Our usual... Uh, Usual ritual. usual ritual of naked mud wrestling. We had to put it on hiatus. <laughs> That's the thing I'm going to miss the most, oh, I yeah. think, of everything. Um, so everybody out there, yeah, keep. we're still going to be going. We're still recording episodes. Uh, just might be slightly different audio quality for a couple weeks here. Uh, and we won't be in the same room, so there might be some delays. But, you know. I might be interrupting Steve even more than usual. One can hope. Yeah. One can only hope. Um, but we're going we're gonna to try this out. And the first game we're going to try this out with will be... A little game called Jet Force Gemini. Oh, we are going to be playing the rare hit next game. week. A little bit of a big game. Jet Force Gemini. I have very limited exposure with this game, but I like what I've played. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to dig into it. Neato, neato, neato. All right, everybody. We'll, we will see you next week uh, for Jet Force Gemini. We are not leaving space. We're staying out here into a different space place. And uh, I hope everyone stays safe stays clean and stays at home and we will check in with you next week bye everybody Kapoor.